Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I am really excited that just in a few minutes' time, we're going to welcome in the former Georgia defensive back, Mark Webb, on today's show. Webb, of course, a big part of the upcoming NFL draft. We'll talk to him about his pro football career that's on its way next. That's going to be a lot of fun. He's also a part of a huge autograph signing this weekend in the UGA Books World. We'll make sure we tell you all about that, too, here coming up in just a few minutes. And really in just a couple of minutes' time, very, very quick from right now, there was some good news, I thought, from Kirby Smart in the press conference on Saturday. At least it kind of struck my ears as good news. And I want to make sure that you don't miss that. We will do that here coming up in a moment. But I want to begin this way. There was a very, I thought, interesting article at CBSSports.com. I saw it today. I'm not sure when it uh, first posted. But it's from Chip Patterson, good writer. And he's looking at the top position battles in college football for the upcoming season obviously some of this related to quarterbacks we understand that but I think the chip does a good thing here by broadening the horizons beyond just the quarterback position say what are the other position groups that going to really determine how the story of the upcoming season is told and one of the things that you notice when you read this is hey three different SEC schools have significant position battles taking place at the wide receiver spot Georgia you already know we talk about that all the time and Chip Patterson mentions that but he also mentions Alabama because of the loss of Devontae Smith Jalen Waddle no longer in the program Florida because of the loss of guys like Kadarius Toney you're going to include tight ends in this discussion as well with Kyle Pitts and I got to tell you in reading Chip Patterson's piece about you know position battles at wide receiver between Georgia Florida and Alabama I find myself feeling much better as a Georgia fan which I am I find myself feeling much better about what Georgia's wide receiver situation could be like for the upcoming season. Let me kind of give you a quick, for instance, why. When you look at Alabama and its attempt to replace Devontae Smith-Heisman Trophy winner, Jalen Waddell, everything like that, you know, the names that that Chip Patterson, CBS Sports, gives us as kind of possible replacements there, John Mechie, who's not practicing for Alabama right now this spring, but we know Mechie's a really good receiver. We saw that up close and personal last October. But you get to guys like Slade Bolden. Bolden's only a three-star recruit coming out of high school. Javon Baker, very good uh, prospect, of course, in the state of Georgia, but like, you know, in the top 200 nationally, but not one of these guys who was, you know, five-star receiver in his own right. Same thing for guys like Xavier Williams. Uh, Teo uh, Jones-Bell, also kind of one of those sort of lower-rated four-stars. Then Jaleel Billings, the tight end, also a four-star, but not really like a, you know, top 100 player in the country or really anything even close to that. That Alabama, when it, you know, kind of uh, makes its attempt to replace guys like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell here this year, it is doing so right now without the kind of you know five-star pedigree that you kind of got used to that program having the big time elite recruits you know such as the Jerry Judy's of the world and what Henry Ruggs once was and obviously you know Devontae Smith is a very highly ready recruit himself that's not quite what's going on for Alabama with the receiver position right now to say nothing of Florida which obviously doesn't recruit in the same you know lane that, that that a school like Georgia or even Alabama typically does you know Jacob Copeland was a former highly rated recruit but most of the guys you know that Alabama or I should say that Florida signed out of high school not necessarily of that elite variety and guys they transferred in like Justin Shorter people like that who were elite recruits maybe haven't quite shown you know that level of play since they've been here you know you know at the major college level so with Georgia even with the injury to George Pickens 
when you compare this to what's happening in Florida, what's happening uh, at Alabama, all of a sudden you're kind of left to say, hey, maybe Georgia's not in such bad shape here. Now, I think the general assumption that a lot of people would have is, well, the Alabama receivers will just end up being better than Georgia's because that's the way the story's always been. But part of the reason that's been true, and admittedly it has been true, is because of the quarterback play that Alabama has. But you feel like at Georgia you should be taken care of in that regard because of what JT Daniels is thought to be able to do. And, you know, part of that's been because of the offensive systems, right? by guys like Steve Sarkeesian but I mean poll Georgia fans they are for the most part really happy right now about what they think that Todd Munkin provides there in that regard so I gotta tell you when you start making the comparison right now between Georgia's wide receiver situation and some of the other situations there in the SEC even programs like Alabama and Florida who were very good with their pass catchers a year ago I think the situation for Georgia right now doesn't look so bad in fact to kind of bolster that point even more it sounds like Kirby Smart even minus George Pickett and for now, minus a guy like Jermaine Burton, who's working his way back from a minor injury, even with that, it sounds like Kirby Smart likes of some of what he sees from that group during practice. This is what he said about him on Saturday. You know you have guys there that have experience and have done a good job, and it's really a valuable time for the younger guys, the other guys getting an opportunity. Kiaris has been very consistent. Uh, J-Rob's made some plays and continues to grow and get better. A.D. Mitchell has made some plays. Jalen Johnson has made some plays. Lab McConkie made some plays today. Those guys continue to grow, get better, and compete. And D-Rob had some. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fired up. I wish I had all of them because I think that competition would be, you know, really good to see who the, the top guys and the starters are. But a lot of the young guys are catching up with the old guys really fast uh, with the work they've been able to get. I mean, I think that's really interesting from Kirby Smart. And then to add to that – a statement that Smart made that kind of flies under the radar a little bit. You know, I was in Jacksonville at the game when Marcus Roseme Jack Saint suffered the injury that he dealt with. It was an awful thing to see. It's one of those replays you don't want to watch more than once once you realize just how, you know, uh, just you know severe the injury was and you know I kind of wondered how quickly he'd be able to come back from something like that just given the just the you know the obvious you know challenges that were associated with that but this is one of those things from Saturday that when smart spoke to reporters I want to make sure does not you know fly too far below the radar because while we're thinking about who's that receiver situation going to be for Georgia listen to the word that smart uses when he describes the injury recovery for Marcus Roseme Jackson I think this will make you even feel even better but the Georgia wide receiver situation, more from Kirby Smart. The depth has taken a hit, obviously, with uh, with George. Uh, you know, Jermaine's been – he got to do Indy today. He's back running around doing some things. He didn't scrimmage, but he was able to do a lot more, and he's getting a lot more flexibility. You know, Marcus Rosemey is really close. Uh, he's out there running around doing walkthroughs, doing, doing conditioning. You see him on the side getting to run, and you know that he's close to being healthy. Dom's on the side running – so listen, I am not a doctor here, but the fact that Smart's using the word close to describe Marcus Roseman Jackson, I tell you, I take it as pretty good news. That to me is, is something kind of exciting here uh, that he might also be added into the equation to go along with another guy recovering from injury and Dominic Blaylock. Listen, I'm not here to tell you that it's not a challenge overcoming the injury to George Pickens. It obviously is, and Georgia fans understand that. But Georgia's not the only one dealing with some wide receiver challenges in the SEC right now. Programs that have been good in that spot before have to at least wonder how good they'll be in the future. All of a sudden now, Georgia's quarterback situation, Georgia's offensive 
offensive coordinator situation compares pretty favorably to what's going on in some of these other spots. Maybe, just maybe, the, the loss of George Pickens can be navigated around a little easier than some of us assumed when it first went down. As we head towards G-Day, I'm actually feeling a little bit better about the wide receiver situation for George, and that's before a guy like Marcus Rosemey Jackson might be recovering a little quicker than I expected him to. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, podcasts wherever you find them. Big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it all possible. They can certainly take care of you when it comes to your foundation waterproofing issues. These are serious, serious issues that all homeowners kind of think about from time to time. When it rains, water creeps in. That can be a sign of a bigger problem or those cracks that show up in the wall sometimes those are all things to be paying close attention to and that's the kind of issue that my friends at esog have devoted their lives to helping the uh, homeowners of our state deal with they're also proud partners of uga makes them fun to do business with been good friends of ours here on dog nation daily for a long time uh really happy to have them as a part of uh what we're doing here and uh, certainly encourage you to reach out. you got a foundation waterproofing issue to deal with. Give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Looking forward to getting a chance to talk to former Georgia defensive back Mark Webb here coming up in just a moment's time. In fact, let's go around the doghouse as we get ready to welcome in Mark to the uh, show here today. And I think the Webb story is an incredibly good one when it comes to uh, UGA. Mark, obviously a guy that came here to this program. Uh, you thought him as a four-star wide receiver. A little bit of an unusual story in that he came out of the area of Philadelphia. That's not typically a place that you've kind of thought of. Uh, Georgia, you know, going to get recruits. Of course, his cousin DeAndre Swift, also a big fan favorite during his time at UGA. And, you know, Webb immediately makes that position switch to defensive back because he thought he had a chance to get on the field uh, quicker by doing so. And really played that position in that spot at a very high level for Georgia for the entirety of that time. This was a uh, as I said before, you know, George was very lucky to have the physicality that he brought to that situation, very lucky to have uh, that that level of experience. And I think it's about to be one of those stories that culminates in kind of a nice, happy ending with what's going to happen with the NFL draft here coming up in uh, the end of this month. You know, you go back and look at the reviews that Webb earned on the heels of his performance, at the uh, Georgia Pro Day and kind of what people are also seeing when they look at what he was able to put on film for Georgia. I think this is a real uh a player who's you know put himself in a position to have a real shot to to be drafted to be on an NFL roster and 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 really make good on what you can almost have to assume has been a, a childhood dream for him. So there's nothing I love more than this time of year when you have a chance to celebrate these moments with these guys. Webb also a big part of a big uh, autograph signing that's going to be going down on Friday and Saturday as you head towards uh, G Day. This is going to be a lot of fun. Our friends at the UGA Bookstore, of course, will be back there for our Dog Nation post game show after the um, after the G-Day event on Saturday. But let me make sure you're well aware of this on both Friday and Saturday. Of course, legendary former coach and athletic director Vince Dooley going to be signing autographs on both days. That's Friday from 4 to 6 p.m., Saturday from 12 to 2 p.m. And then on Friday, how about Ben Cleveland? How about uh, Tyson Campbell? How about Mark Webb, who we just mentioned? All three of those former dogs going to be there signing autographs from 4 to 6 p.m. there uh, that evening. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then the next day, huge list of autographs. Guest. Last week, we talked to Aziz Ojolari. Ojolari going to be there from 10 to noon at the UGA Bookstore on Saturday.
Saturday. Uh, Richard LeCount, the former Georgia safety, going to be on hand from 12 until 2 p.m., right up uh, until game time. And then DeAndre Swift. How about this? Mark Webb's cousin, by the way. Uh, the great former Georgia running back back in town on Saturday at the UGA bookstore from 10 a.m. until noon. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun with uh, DeAndre Swift going down from 10 to noon there on Saturday. If you want more information on this, don't forget the UGA bookstore is right there next to Sanford Stadium and next to the Tate Center and the beautiful campus of the University of Georgia. Of course, you can give them a call, 706-542-3171. That's 706-542-3171. Or you can check them out online at ugabookstore.com. But for now, as promised, a very, very successful career at UGA and a very exciting moment as he moves on to his NFL future here. Let's get ready to welcome in uh, Mark Webb, former Georgia defensive back here to Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Mark, we certainly appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. And uh, I know this is a very busy time of year uh, for you. So uh, thanks for sharing some of your time with us here today. No problem. Thank you all for having me. Glad to uh, have you on here. And I guess let me start with this. You know, you read the reviews of your performance at Georgia's Pro Day uh, not too long ago. It certainly seems like that you, uh, folks thought you really helped yourself. Good performance there to go along with your game film, that you really put yourself in a better position heading towards the NFL draft because of how you performed out there. Did you kind of get the uh, same sense? Were you satisfied with what you were able to do at your Georgia Pro Day performance? Uh, I did okay. I mean, a lot of people think I did great awesome i think i did okay i feel like i could i feel like my numbers could have been sometimes better from what i know and but i think i did okay and i'm moved on from it i'm ready to get you know ready to be on my team yeah, I'm sure about that. One of the things I always like asking guys who go through this process, and obviously this year is so much different because of the you know pandemic, you know not doing a traditional combine, things along those lines. You know how much, I guess, how difficult is it to kind of hold back the pressure on that? Because obviously you know with you know every you know step that you run or drill that you accomplish, folks are going to have those stopwatches out, those scouts, those personnel men watching closely to see what goes on. How you know how much pressure you know comes in for something like this and how does it compare to kind of a typical game day environment where you kind of get those butterflies in your stomach i'm guessing how does a pro day kind of compare to that uh it's, it's huge it's like you know what i'm saying it's your biggest interview you know what i'm saying it's my biggest interview so it's something that you normally you know what i'm saying you can't really prepare for because you never really get that exact simulation of that thing and i feel like when I, but, but when I went into it, like, we've been doing it for so long. We've been playing the game for so long. Like, how could I be scared now? How could I have butterflies now? I prepare, I've been preparing my whole life for this situation. So I felt like I was prepared for it. And I was just, I just went out there and had fun with it. Yeah, I think that's a great attitude to have. Speaking of preparations, you know, obviously you spent this time at Georgia. You come in as a wide receiver. You switch over to defensive back. I mean, when you look back on your time at UGA, how will you remember that time? And how do you think these last, you know, kind of four years have prepared you for this moment that you're about to step into? Uh, I feel like my last couple years at UGA have really prepared me. It prepared me as a uh, as a man and as a football as a football player. Like. It showed me a lot of different things, a lot of different sides. It showed it showed me that I can be, you know, what I'm saying I can be me, and 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 invited me to like just a lot of new things. Like I would say, like I didn't come to UGA and expect to play defense, but UGA, you know, they made it comfortable for me to come in and play defense and go out there and have a ball with my brothers out there every time we step out in uh, Stanford Stadium where or wherever we were. Like I had a ball, yeah. I didn't expect all the things that happened that that happened, mm -hmm. but look, it turned out for the better. 
when you make the position switch, obviously that's the kind of thing that a lot of guys kind of, you know, go through. And, you know, obviously you had been rated as a wide receiver. We'd seen your high school film as a wide receiver. But it seemed like you had that door open to get on the field and, you know, play sooner at Georgia's defensive back. I know you've talked about this a lot over the years. But what was that process like for you to say, yeah, I am going to pull the trigger. I am going to make this position switch. And I think I'm going to be a better football player because of it. What was that thought process like for you? Uh, it was more like what you just said. It was more like uh, I just wanted to see the field. Like I always, you know what I'm saying, grew up basically playing two positions or playing, you know what I'm saying, multiple things, believing I could play a lot of different things. And it was just trying to put it into, you know what I'm saying, intuition. And I, I knew I could do it, you know what I'm saying. So it was just like, why not do it? You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to see the field. I didn't care where I was playing, where I was at. I just wanted to see the field. I was already living my dreams of playing college football. So it was just like I just wanted to be the player that I wanted to be. I think that's really interesting. One of the things that you have maybe at your disposal that some guys going through the draft process don't have, you know, you've got, you know, family members who've kind of, you know, done this kind of thing before. Your cousin DeAndre Swift goes through the uh, draft process not too long ago. What was it like, uh, or have you had a chance to kind of speak with him about what his pre-draft process was like, and was he able to kind of share with you any wisdom that you feel like you can kind of put to work for yourself? Uh, I feel like more, more of it was just like, just go out there and be me. At all costs, no matter what, like you just basically go out there, you know what I'm saying, take that deep breath, go out there and have a ball. Like, don't really think too much about the, you know what I'm saying, what's going on in the process. Just do what we've been doing our whole life. This has always been our mission. So it's like, just go out there and make it happen. You know what I'm saying? He's he's a big critic on me, and I'm a big critic on him. So it's just like, just go out there and make it happen. And that's what I tried to go out there and do. So since you've left Georgia, obviously Georgia now trying to figure out how they're going to replace you. And one of the guys that has kind of stepping in here to do potentially some of the things that you've done for Georgia over these last couple of years is Tyke Smith, a uh, transfer defense back from West Virginia. Have you had a chance to learn much about him and maybe uh, a chance to kind of see what he's all about? Oh, yeah, I know Tyke very well. That's my, that's my young well, – for my city, that's my young book. But <laughs> hey, that's my guy. And it's just like – it's, it's, I wouldn't rather nobody else come to Georgia but him because he's a great fit. He's a great kid. You get what I'm saying? He comes in, he's, you know, he holds himself accountable. He holds other people accountable, you know. He comes in, he's, I know he's going to be ready day one whenever he steps on the field. And he's a, he's a baller. Like, of course I had to see him, you know what I'm saying? He's one of the best players that come out of Philly defensive-wise and offensive-wise. Like he's, he's a better, you know what I'm saying? I feel like he's a better he's a better me. And he's going to go out there day one and make plays as soon as he gets out there. So, you know what I'm saying? Expect a lot from him. I expect a lot from them, and I, I just I know he's going to have a great Georgia career. Boy, that's an awesome thing to be able to hear. People obviously hear that star role, a position that you played at Georgia. Uh, folks think Tyke's got a chance to do that for this team this year. For the people who may not fully understand exactly what that position requires of you or him or whoever plays there, how can you describe you know what that job is like in a Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning defense? Uh, I, I feel like the nickel is more like it has many faces to it, so you can really play anything. You can end up playing. Sometimes you can end up playing at number one. Sometimes you can end up playing tight end. You can play slot. You can play running back. You play. You do a lot of zone drops. You do a lot of blitzing. You'll do a lot of run stopping. Sometimes you have to take on somebody that's 330 pounds. You get what I'm saying? It's a lot of different things that, you know what I'm saying, the nickels will take on. It's a multifaceted thing. Like, you can't just have one perfect nickel. Like, you can't have just a fast nickel. You know what I'm saying? You want somebody that's just multi, you know what I'm saying, that's down. You know what I'm saying? And a nickel, you got to be able to do a lot of different things. And you can't be scared when you're a nickel. you got to, you know what I'm saying, basically be an anchor to the team. Sometimes you might, some of the things you do might not be seen, but 
you know what I'm saying, you're doing, the, you're doing a lot. Like, you're doing a lot for the team, and it really helps if you can, you know what I'm saying, if you can be effective at it. What do you think about those guys? Obviously, with you now gone, there's a lot of inexperience in the secondary. A lot of Georgia fans are a little bit concerned about how some of these guys are going to kind of grow into a role with so many guys such as yourself and Eric Stokes and, you know, obviously Richard LeCount and those, you know, various uh, Tyson Campbell, DJ Daniel, guys who have been on the field a lot for Georgia need to replace, you know, that experience. What would you say to those UGA fans who are a little concerned about how that next generation of Georgia defensive backs may grow into the role that you guys occupied for so many years there? There's no reason to be scared at all. When you got when you got Coach Smart back there, you know what I'm saying, helping the secondary. There's no reason to be scared at all. I have full trust in those young guys to go out there and get it done. Cause they, I seen them doing the practice, so I knew they can go out there and get it done. So I'm not I'm not really tripping. There's no reason to really be tripping. I don't think there's a reason to ever really just trip out. I think I think the the whole defensive back backfield they just grown. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, they might not have the crazy game experience, but I feel like each and every one of them is ready because that's how we practice. That's awesome to hear. I'll finish with this. I hope you certainly get the sense of how much Georgia fans are excited to see about which team you land with in the upcoming NFL draft and what happens for you after that. You got a lot of folks rooting for you, and obviously, you know, this weekend being back there at the UGA bookstore, getting a chance to to sign some of those autographs and be with some of those Georgia fans, something that you don't always get to do while you're playing at UGA because obviously you're very busy as a player. You don't always get to do that. But now in your kind of post-career world, you get a chance to do that. How much are you looking forward to meeting some of those Georgia fans this weekend at the UGA bookstore and allowing them to say thank you to you for what a great career you're able to put together between the hedges? Uh, I can't wait to see them. You know what I'm saying? For real, for I'm going to be saying thank you to them for their support all this time and Everything that they've done for me, and I feel like you know, what I'm saying I owe them, I owe them this uh, this signing or this meeting at the uh, bookstore, and I just, I just can't wait to see them. Well, Mark, it's so nice to have you here on our program here today, Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. Thank you for your time. Uh, congratulations on a great career at UGA. Can't wait to see you this weekend, and can't truly can't wait to see what happens for you next as you move on to the NFL. We appreciate you being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So, well, great stuff there from the former Georgia defensive back, Mark Webb, stopping by to see us here on Dog Nation Daily uh, here today. And, boy, as I said before, I, I just love to watch these stories unfold of the guys who get a chance to, you know, move on, go through their NFL career, or I should say go through their college career, then get ready for that uh, NFL career and, you know, you understand the the pressure they feel to make good on their dreams, but also the excitement that comes from knowing that, at least in Webb's case, certainly he tells the story of being well-prepared uh, to be able to do that based on what he saw there. George, let me remind you one more time. It's Friday and Saturday at the UGA Bookstore for the big autograph signing. Huge day of uh, 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 two days of guests. Coach Dooley there on both Friday and Saturday. Ben Cleveland, Tyson Campbell, Mark Webb, who we just heard from, from Friday and on Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Then on Saturday, it's Aziz Ojolari, Richard LeCount, DeAndre Swift. Of course, Ojolari and Swift there from 10 until noon. LeCount there from 12 until 2. UGABookstore.com, UGABookstore.com, or the phone number 706-542-3171. 706-542-3171, the place to go for more information on all of that. Let me also, uh, speaking of Athens and what goes down there in the Classic City, don't forget this. So many of you you know, love the excitement, the energy of what happens in and around the Athens area, and many of you want to live there, or you want to retire there, or you want to... Uh, you know, I have an investment property there because it's one of the hottest real estate markets really in the country. Uh, just a lot of folks loving what's going on there in the classic city. And here's what I can tell you, that if you want to get involved in the Athens real estate market, understanding what makes
makes it some in some cases different than other areas in the state you want a local market expert on hand to be able to do that for you that's what my friends friends at five market realty are going to be able to provide for you they have that expert local knowledge of the athens real estate scene for the investor for the for the retiree for the person who just wants to live there raise family there whatever else they're experts in game day condos and student investments and everything else that goes along with that uh they can just help you navigate that situation they're also on the 2021 bulldog 100 list so when you do business with five market realty you're going to be working with big time dog fans a whole lot of fun there on that so here's the website to go to it's 5mrealty.com 5mrealty.com you can connect with a local expert knowing uh not great knowledge of the athens real estate scene uh, you can connect with them there today we're going to run through a lot of sec through stuff here for a moment as I said before let me start with tyler booker we'll show you in the screen here as he drops his top five and great story with jeff Sintel at dognation.com about that about kind of where things stand obviously georgia has cleaned up offensive line as of late so that position not a huge priority for this upcoming 2022 class but with a talent talent like booker obviously georgia wants to be involved and if you're looking at the uh, graphic on the screen here, of course, from Hayes Fawcett, who does so many of these, uh, you see uh, Georgia central placement with Alabama and Florida on the left side, Oregon, Ohio State on the right side, Georgia right there in the center for Booker, obviously from IMG Academy, a place where Georgia has done very well in recruiting in the past. So to find out more about Booker, his thought process as he drops this top five and what's next for him. I'll ask you to check out the story with Jeff Sintel there at dognation.com. Also, over the last couple of days, another recruit. We've had a lot of these recruits drop lists of finalists as of late. Another one I want to highlight here is Evan Stewart, former Texas commit decommits there opens the door up for a bunch of other programs in georgia right there in the mix with stewart there too in fact the online chatter is that stewart's got an official visit coming up to georgia here in the uh, month of june but big time competition for his services obviously the programs that have you know dominated with these wide receivers before in play with stewart let me show you the list of finalists here for evan stewart you're talking about a top eight that has texas his one time you know commit school still on there usc florida texas a&m oregon georgia then alabama lsu out of the sec this one's going to be one to watch and obviously one in which georgia is going to try to make up some ground you know with stewart here now that he's back on the open market that's certainly one to watch and uh, pay very close attention to as we head towards the nfl draft we talked to mark webb about that a moment ago also some of the other positions in the uh, first round interesting to see the I guess the variance of opinion on a couple of former SEC quarterbacks, I saw where Peter King now suggests that Kyle Trask may slip into the first round now. King seems to be a little bit of an outlier on that, so I'm not quite sure how much I believe that. But uh, after seeing some mock drafts that had Trask kind of outside the top three rounds, top two rounds for sure, all of a sudden now you see some movement back the other way with Peter King, at least on the suggestion that Trask ended up being a first rounder there. And then I saw where Jason Lock and Four was completely, completely down on the idea that the San Francisco 49ers would use the number three overall pick on Mac Jones, former Alabama quarterback, saying he's essentially topped out athletically. And obviously, from a physique standpoint, a build standpoint, he doesn't quite bring the same stuff to the table that some of the other guys you know, do there. Certainly Justin Fields, who is a prospect I like better than Mac Jones. But that's kind of out there a little bit. That's probably worth paying attention to. We talked about J.J. Pegues the other day, the Auburn tight end, now over 300 pounds, and the suggestion that he might play multiple positions for Auburn. Well, it seems like for now, it's actually a full-blown position switch for him in the you know Derek Mason, Brian Harson era that Pegues, former kind of you know outsized tight end, now I think working exclusively, at least on the reports coming out of Auburn this week, as a defensive lineman for now. So a position switch there for Pegues in the Auburn pro 
program. Uh, I saw with Jahari Rogers. You may remember him as a former four-star defensive back signing for Florida for the 2021 class. Decommits from the Gators on the move. He has landed new home for him now at SMU. So Florida loses a pretty big signee. He goes to SMU. He was not expected to be, you know, necessarily very high on the Florida too deep this year. But we talked about Dan Mullen yesterday saying that the transfer portal might bring a degree of chaos with it. Obviously, Florida's used that chaos to its advantage before. Maybe Rogers, an example of that going the other direction. Uh, Dan Mullen been kind of under fire a little bit for what some people kind of thought were hypocritical statements about the transfer portal. Not a big deal to us necessarily. We said that yesterday. But uh, Rogers, the former Florida signee transfer, has found himself a new home. And then finally, there's this. From Georgia commit Max Ray way back in the class of 2018 seems like such a long time ago now uh, went to Ohio State uh, he has now put himself back on the open market my guess is he's entering the transfer portal my guess is Georgia's not a player here but other SEC schools I think could be you know places that he visited before guys like LSU programs like that would not surprise me if Ray's not back involved with an SEC team again but he is leaving Ohio State that's the uh, news there on that front for now we'll make that your SEC through him we'll get ready to talk to Connor Riley. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. It's a Kroger fresh take as we say hello to Connor Riley here today on a very busy edition of our program. We talked to former Georgia defense back Mark Webb just a couple of moments ago and Connor I know you got a chance to hear that you're obviously sitting right here with us and I really enjoyed that from him both in terms of his own focus and the intensity that Webb has about his future NFL career but also the level of confidence that he has and what's going to happen to that Georgia defensive back situation now that he's gone very very complimentary of Tyke Smith someone kind of knows from being sort of that same part of the world there and also just feeling good about the Georgia defensive backs kind of in his stead and the rest of those you know corners and safeties who are now gone Webb having some very nice things to say about the Georgia secondary I think a lot of Georgia fans probably enjoyed getting a chance to hear that yeah I think the most interesting he said is this guy knows more about the star position than quite frankly anyone under the Georgia defense yeah. and he knows Tyke Smith pretty well given their ties to the Philadelphia area so I was very encouraged with what I heard Mark Webb say about Tyke Smith and I think there's a real good chance they're going to get together and talk and sort of understand how Tyke Smith best fits into this Georgia defense specifically at that star position yeah I mean I think that that you know this is not you know I guess in you know, a lot of places in college football you, you see these dominant like slot receivers and these very prolific offenses and in some cases it just seems like they're taking advantage of what might be soft coverage over the middle that's just not really the way that position is played at the SEC and it's certainly not the way that position is played at Georgia it is a pivotal part of what happens whether it be you know kind of those packages where you're putting a big guy on the field like it's been with Lorenzo Carter in the past and maybe Adam Anderson this year or you know a guy like Smith doing some things similar to what uh, Mark Webb did a year ago this is not like the 11th guy on the field for Georgia this is a this is a uh, a pivotal defender who's got to be stout enough to defend against the run but also able to guard as as Webb said you may be guarding anybody you may be guarding the number one receiver you may be guarding whatever else you have a range of responsibilities that you have to be able to take care of right and I think one key difference from what we saw with Mark Webb to what I think we need to or Georgia needs to see from Tyke Smith is Mark Webb wasn't necessarily asked to be a playmaker I believe he had one career interception or at least this past season he had one interception Georgia's going to need Tyke Smith to do a lot more than Mark Webb did at that star position because Mark was playing next to a guy in Richard LeCount who was a great playmaker in that defensive secondary. As good as I think Chris Smith and Lewis Seen are, they're not exactly those type of players. They're more of that, you know, we're not going to get beat deep, we're not going to make those big mistakes or allow you to really move the ball on us with explosive plays. 
they need Tyke Smith to be a difference maker in that back half of the secondary. And so I'll be interested to see how creative and aggressive does Georgia get with Tyke in terms of blitzing him, moving him around in coverage, because I think that's going to have a big impact on how many defensive plays he's allowed to make. All right, I'm going to begin our kind of look ahead to G-Day on Saturday as a part of our Kroger Fresh Take here with something that I talked to John Sinchcomb about yesterday there as well. If I were to ask you, you know, who are some of those names that you're kind of most interested in seeing on Saturday? Who are just some of those names that kind of pop to mind, you know, top of mind for you? I would go one Carson Beck. I, yeah. I, you know, we know what we're going to get out of JT Daniels. I'm sure it's the stat line might not be pretty, but if he makes a couple of big throws, that's all I really need to see there. Carson Beck has a huge opportunity on Saturday. He's got a chance, I think, to really make a strong claim to being that number two quarterback because we, we've said on here before, while Stetson Bennett might not be the most popular player out there, he is someone that has legitimate SEC experience, and that's incredibly valuable as a backup quarterback. Can I pause? Can I push pause on that you just can. a second? Because I want to talk yeah. about Beck here. Because I'm glad you mentioned that name. Because I, I would say that Carson's on my you know list on that front as well. And here's the thing: if you go back and look at Carson's first year in Athens, I think admittedly we just weren't hearing very much mm-hmm. about him at all during the year of 2020. But that has changed. Yeah. I mean, the last few weeks we are now hearing there's plenty of online chatter about Beck. Plenty of folks saying, "Hey, he's looking really good." Plenty of folks saying, "You know, whatever else." All of a sudden, the mood around Carson just seems to be very different that people are now talking. It's all, you know, hearsay and, you know, whispers and whatever else. But that's all we have to go on right now. But there is some legitimate chatter around Carson Beck in a way that did not exist during his freshman season. That's not not to say that he wasn't doing, you know, very well. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we didn't really know how he was doing because we weren't hearing much. We are hearing plenty now. And so on my list of guys I'm curious about, Beck is definitely on there because there is some real measurable chatter going on about him in the uh, in, in the lead up to all of this. right and Saturday is a chance for him to validate the the online chatter and the strong performances that he has had up to this point I, I've said time and time again don't let this one g-day practice that we all get to see overvalue the 14 that we didn't because those are obviously more important and Carson Beck you know, I'll have a winners and losers on sort of spring practice and, and obviously g-day as a whole Carson Beck right now is like a no doubt about it guy he Absolutely faced a big spring with Brock Vandergriff coming in behind him. JT Daniels still on the depth chart ahead of him. And he has at least shown this spring, hey, I am a quarterback that can make these throws and thrive in this Todd Munkin-style offense. I think that's very encouraging for him there. Well, it's also – I mean, if you – look, everybody's got selfish ambitions. We should acknowledge that, Mm -hmm. that – if you can be number two quarterback at Georgia for this year, you are in a very interesting position going into yes. the 2022 season because you're gonna the number two quarterback for Georgia this year just it seems more likely to play this year than number two quarterback got a chance to play really for Georgia the last couple of years. Yes. There's a real chance of getting some real experience that would make you the odds-on favorite to start for this team in 2022. And by the way, it seems like Brock Vandegrift right now is kind of going through some of those young freshman growing pains that you would assume everybody's going to deal with. But because of his prodigious talent, you know, as he gets more comfortable, he's going to have these exponential leaps. So mm-hmm. if you can use, if you're Carson, you can use the experience advantage you have right now to create a a lead. And I hate to you know speak yeah. about it in those terms, but let, you know these guys both want to start. If you can use what you have advantage you right now to create a lead over Vandegrift, it's the kind of thing that would give you a chance to then gain some experience that could only potentially kind of widen that gap in terms of uh, Beck being a little ahead of Vandegrift. Right, and I, I think the big thing where I'll look for Carson Beck is if and when Georgia does get in those blowouts this year, and they figure to have quite a bit more of them. Is Carson coming into the game when they have that, or, or late in the game's blowouts, with potentially even the first-team offense to get him that 
those reps. We have seen Nick Saban do this time and time again. He did it with Bryce Young a little bit last year, but admittedly not as much as he wanted. Did a lot with Tua Tagovailoa in that 2017 season. That's a great way, I think, to develop a quarterback and at least get them some real reps with real players they're going to play with potentially the next season. If Carson is getting those reps, that's a huge benefit for him looking ahead to the 2022 I mean, quarterback You battle. can make a case that going into smart sixth season here, they've never had a traditional backup, no. right? Like, uh, and by traditional backup, I mean guy who is potentially the starter next year. Like Grayson Lambert in 2016 wouldn't have been that. No. You know, Jacob Eason in 2017 was one of those guys that got hurt uh, and then it's almost like Georgia didn't want to play him too much because they didn't mm-hmm. want to like muddy the waters as who's the starter was going to be. Obviously, in 2018, we know that was not a traditional backup situation. 2019 didn't have you, one. Yeah, yeah. Stetson Bennett's actually turned out to be better than that yeah. Georgia thought he was in 2019, but they didn't treat him like a very traditional backup then. This is like the first time under Kirby Smart now in his sixth year at Georgia that you're going to have a backup quarterback that feels like the way that a lot of backup quarterbacks do. Young guy who may be the starter for this program next year. This is going to new territory. For for George in some respect it is and I think that's the biggest reason why I'm so interested in seeing Carson because he's pretty he's obviously going to I think get more reps than Brock Vandergriff is on Saturday and it'll be really interesting to see how he handles those so you say Carson Beck that's definitely a name on my list of someone I'm very excited about seeing on Saturday who else would you mention uh I'll go two more offensive guys here I will go Arian Smith who was practicing okay. last Saturday uh the sprained wrist that he had two Saturdays ago doesn't seem to be that big or serious of an injury with Jermaine Burton out, Marcus Rosemary Jackson, ain't Dominic Blaylock not out there. I, I I'm very interested to see how Georgia uses Arian Smith and how he has improved as a wide receiver. One of I don't know if you want to say a knock, but one of the marks against Arian coming out was he was not necessarily a natural pass catcher. He was more of just an incredible athlete that could play wide receiver for you. And I want to see how he has improved in that because him becoming a better receiver really I think unlocks a lot of this offense. The other guy who similarly has gotten a lot of positive buzz and I think has done very well this spring is Xavier Trust, mm-hmm. a guy who a lot of people don't want to see Broderick Jones at Marius Mims. They think because of that five-star ranking, those guys are just head and shoulders better of Trust. And Trust admittedly did not have his best game there against Cincinnati in his first career start. But from everything we've heard, Trust has been clearly better this spring than both Broderick Jones and Marius Mims. And if he can continue to show that against what I think against Trayvon Walker, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith on Saturday, I think that could be a very encouraging sign for Trust going into the fall. So your wording there I find interesting because I'm not quite so sure I would word it the same way obviously i'm going on what other people are saying so mm-hmm. i'm not going to you know treat my own opinion as if it's expertise but there's no doubt and kirby smart validated this on saturday that trust is taking the most reps with the you know the the number one you know you know in the, as the number one left tackle but i can't quite tell what that means if that means that trust is really emerging mm-hmm. or if that means that other guys that you think might be there such as a broderick jones for instance are maybe just not quite as ready as some georgia fans wish them to be i've said a thousand times i'm not holding it against trust they didn't have a great game in the peach bowl mm-hmm. there is still a very good chance he could be a solid starter for georgia this year you know we're not going to hold one game in a kind of a debut situation against somebody but you know i have to say that I'm not as confident that that what I've heard about Xavier Trust suggests, oh, this is a guy that's really ready to kind of explode under the scene. I'm just not quite as confident that that I know that on the basis of the kind of the ear to the ground type stuff that you hear here. Certainly fair and understandable. And again, I think it's going to be very telling if he is out there game one against Clemson and how he performs in that game because Cincinnati was a very good defense. Clemson is even better than that. And I've said before, offensive tackle is not a game one issue to to me like they're gonna be able to put someone out there at worst it's gonna be Jamari Sawyer at best hopefully either Truss or Jones wins that job 
With Trust, it's going to be a 13-game process of, okay, this is the guy who is our left tackle. Warren McClendon didn't win the starting job at right tackle a season ago, but really developed into that. And by the end of the season, I thought maybe other than Jamari, he was Georgia's best offensive lineman out there. So it's certainly a position that I've long held is going to develop and take time to do so. But I will say Xavier Trust has at least caught my attention of, I think, from my understanding, being a, a... clearly better player right now than Broderick Jones so I talked to John Stinchcomb about this yesterday and this is a lot of this based on a question you actually asked I think it was you the press conference on Saturday there's some nice you know stuff seemingly floating out there about Tate Ratledge right Mm -hmm. now I'm not surprised about that Ratledge was clearly a very good high school player tough as nails the idea that he would be ready to play at Georgia fairly quickly in his career is just not a huge surprise to me but I'm so intrigued by Ratledge in the moment part of me kind of wonders does Ratledge and I'm this is I'm not saying this is what George will do. I'm saying if I was in charge, is this maybe what I would do? Ratledge at left guard, Jamari Salyer back to tackle. Because we saw Salyer play the position mm-hmm. at a competent level. I think he's better as a guard. I think he's potentially elite as a guard, but we saw him, you know, play the tackle spot last year and, and kind of get the job done for UGA. So would I at least be curious about hey, if it's Xavier Trust compared to Broderick Jones, you want Xavier Trust. But what if it, I'm saying that seems to be the, the mm-hmm. conventional wisdom right now? But what if it's Xavier Trust in comparison to Jamari Salyer with Tate Ratledge kind of a bullet next to his name there as as a guard for Georgia? All of a sudden now is that Georgia's best five all the way around? When Kirby Smart talks about his offensive line, he doesn't say we need to go and specifically left tackle because that's obviously the position that's yeah. gotten the most attention this spring. He doesn't come out and say. We need to find the best left tackle. He says time and time again, we need to find the best five. I did notice that. And the point that you laid out there, Tate Ratledge could absolutely be a better guard than Xavier Truss or Broderick Jones could be a tackle. He is someone that is really impressed this spring. Cade Mays is ish vibes. Now let me finish before you all say, oh, well, Cade Mays persona non grata here. In the sense that he's a versatile lineman, yeah. could play tackle in a pinch if you need to, but ultimately I think he's a guard. Physical, powerful, strong, nasty player, something you really want your guards to be. And if he ends up being a better player than, say, Truss or Jones, while you might not love Jamari Sire at your left tackle spot, there's a very real chance he could end up being a part of Georgia's best five. Yeah, I mean, look – I joked about this yesterday. I'm kind of repeating myself, but this is a hotter take than required several Mm -hmm. months in advance. But issues at left tackle can get you beat against Clemson. And listen, you know, look, that doesn't end your season and doesn't end your, you know, pursuit of a national championship, but you'd be giving away a lot of your margin for error week one if you let that Clemson defensive line come chase down JT Daniels and just get the Georgia offense kind of off off rhythm. Mm -hmm. I think there's a really good, you know, possibility that the team that just gets after quarterbacks better between Georgia and Clemson is the team that wins that game between Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith and guys like that for Georgia and obviously you know with the Xavier Thomases and the I guess what KJ Henry's still there and you know uh, you know a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, those big names are doing for Clemson that could be the deciding factor there so you know maybe maybe it's not Jamari Sire at left tackle for the entire season maybe somebody else kind of emerges there but to kind of get me past week one against Clemson I'm not saying I wouldn't view that as maybe maybe the part of the best five. That's my own personal opinion if I was the one making the decision. To your point about your left tackle can get you beat in a game against Clemson, you know what's worse for an offense than getting pressure off the edge? Getting pressure directly up the middle. Yeah. And 
quite frankly, as good as I think Miles Murphy is, he's the third best off, uh, defensive lineman on that Clemson team behind Tyler Davis and Brian Brzee. And both those guys are yeah. going to be coming up the middle. So good Georgia point. has to be physically strong on that interior as well, which could very well lead to pot- potentially, if you think Jamari Sawyer is your best guard, you absolutely in that Clemson game, I think, have to play him there even if you like what Tate Ratledge can do or if you're not exactly 100% confident and trust in Jones and Jones at this point. Do you favor Erickson over Cedric Von Prine at the moment? People say I'm mispronouncing. Is it Van Pran? Am I mispronouncing the name? For some reason, I always say We'll Von get Prine. Kirby to give us the official. I, I think it's Von Prahn. Um, you know, it Je- just seems easy. It's a lot easier to say Von Prahn than it is Van Pran. Yeah, you know, Jeff and his pronunciation sometimes, they, they sometimes lead us astray. Yeah. We, we appreciate the great job that he does. I would say, yeah, I think similarly to what I had said about, say, a Broderick Jones versus uh, Xavier Truss, I wonder if Cedric Von Prahn isn't more of a Game 13 starter than a Game 1 starter necessarily. All right, I want to ask you about wide receivers. First, let me remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here today. And by the way, don't forget, Kroger right now has made the grocery shopping experience even more convenient. Who thought that was even possible? By offering free pickup. That's right. You can go online, Kroger.com. You can place your order, and you can – Pick a time that's convenient for you to come get your stuff, and when you show up, the folks at Kroger will have carefully selected all of your items, choosing the very best for you, and then bringing it right out there to you. It does not get more convenient than that, and great news is on orders of $35 or more, Kroger Pickup is absolutely free. So check that out at your local Kroger here today. So I started the show by saying, in comparison to some of these other situations in the SEC from a wide receiver standpoint, even with George Pickens injured, you know, if you're just going by measurable talent, Georgia's not necessarily behind a school like Alabama right now. Now, John Mechie, I believe, is a proven uh, top-notch receiver, but they got to have more than just him. And, you know, it's not like Alabama has wildly out-recruited Georgia on the basis of some of the guys who would sort of expect to kind of step up there this year. I'm, you mentioned Arian Smith a moment ago. I'm just kind of excited about seeing this wide receiver situation in Georgia kind of all the way around to – to see if, if if this group looks good and see if you have some big kind of plays down the field on Saturday. Kirby, I love the fact that he articulated that he want to be a vertical passing attack. Saturday, a great chance for me to see that. So you sort of laid out the positive end there. You want to see these wide receivers make plays on Saturday. The other side of that coin, do you want them making so many plays at the expense of the cornerbacks that you're even more somehow concerned about that position? coming from Saturday than you even are right now yeah I kind of do I mean look I just think and this is one of the reasons why we're not talking much about defense right now even though defense Mm -hmm. is a huge part of what's going to happen for Georgia during the season I just don't think G-Day is a a defensive exhibition Mm -hmm. I I just don't I mean you know you're not sacking quarterbacks things like that so Georgia's not going to run the ball that much anyway so you you mitigate their best strength I'm assuming it's a vanilla defensive kind of game plan type Mm -hmm. of thing um Georgia's secondary could get torched on Saturday I'm talking about absolutely lit on fire and I don't think I'd care at all I, I can tell, I, I wouldn't care at all. I can tell you one thing right now. If Georgia's uh, secondary gets torched on on Saturday, that means JT Daniels and Carson Beck had great days, and I think people are going to be would be much more excited, at least in the moment, about that than how Nyland Green and Keely Ringo hold up in coverage. Yeah, I mean the flip side of that is, you know, if 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 the Georgia defense were to win the day on Saturday, because we've had before these situations where Kirby Smart's like, oh, the off offense mm-hmm. is winning, and sometimes we see the scrimmage. <laughs> I know that necessarily worked out the way that I was I was told that it would, but if the defense were to so you know so to speak win on Saturday, I mean I think people are going to be pretty disappointed. I mean if it's if it's not got in the time that JT plays, if those stats aren't gaudy, if after you know kind of what you've heard about Carson Beck, if he's not making some throws, um, you know maybe some of the other guys there as well. If there aren't highlight plays on Saturday, I think people are going to be disappointed. I don't think someone like me coming on the air and say how about that Georgia defense during G Day. Um, 
I, I just don't think that that spin job is going to work. No, and, and especially because we've spent so much time talking about you know Georgia needing to make that step forward, and, and I've I've said I, I believe Kirby Smart has acknowledged this and taken these small steps to do so, and has begun to do that. I think his comment on Saturday: "We want to be a vertical passing offense and not just going with his usual. We want to be an explosive offense." Yeah. I think that was a significant step. That's a significant step forward for Kirby and sort of acknowledging what an offense needs to be in today's game. And if we come out and see a defensive slugfest or a game where the defense really seems to do well against this Georgia offense, it's going to be a, another three, four months of, well, does Kirby really understand that this is how you have to win? And he absolutely does. I, I believe that. It's just going to be more of the same rhetoric coming out of that if the Georgia defense – I don't, want to, I don't know if locks up's the right word, but makes things very, very difficult for the Georgia offense. Yeah, Saturday. listen, I'm not necessarily looking to see the Georgia defense go out there and win on Saturday, but I will say, and I mentioned this on Friday's show, I'm actually a, a lot more excited about this unit overall than maybe I, I guess, mm-hmm. prepared myself to be. When, when, you know, some of the stuff that Kirby Smart has said about N'Kobe Dean, as a for yep. instance, and early in the spring about, uh, you know, Trayvon Walker and – you know, some of the stuff that Zizo Jalari said about Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson on our show last week when he was with us. You know, a lot of these elite former five stars are coming into their own as juniors at Georgia. They're the or you know, you know, you know, third and fourth year players. They're they're the nucleus of what's gonna happen here for this Georgia defense here this season. And boy, you may have some questions in the secondary, but there's not very many teams in the country that wouldn't love to have the the key leadership in that front seven made up of guys like, you know, Dean Walker, Anderson, you know, Nolan Smith. That's a that's a pretty impressive group right now. So I'm gonna give you a bunch of qualifiers here. The Georgia defense isn't as deep as it was a season ago. And yes, the secondary is a big concern concern but the talent level on this defense as a whole I think can be just as high as it was a season ago when you bring back a guy like N'Kobe Dean who I think is going to be the best linebacker Georgia's had since Roquan Smith and maybe if you want to even extend farther than that farther than that might be the best linebacker other than Roquan Smith of the past decade that, that that they've had Trayvon Walker is someone who I'm really excited to see when the lights come on this fall because yeah. I for a long time have been really fascinated with him and to get if Georgia's going to use him in the way they're saying they're going to use him he's going to look like a top five pick and so if you let those players sort of play to their strengths I think it's going to make things much, much easier for the Georgia defense, even if, even if it isn't as deep or potentially as strong as it was a season ago. So let me finish with this just real quick off the subject of football for a moment. It's a very interesting day in the SEC from the basketball transfer standpoint yesterday. Auburn obviously gets good news. Walker Kessler, a guy that had Georgia ties, but no one really thought he was going to UGA. He leaves UNC to go there, so Bruce Pearl gets a big recruiting win. But Georgia, you know, after losing guys like Tamari, uh, Tamani Kamara and, and Ty Fagan, you bring in the son of Sharif Abdur Rahim, which for those of us that grew up watching him, both at – you know, uh, you know, uh, Wheeler High School, then eventually in the NBA. That's kind of a big move. Uh, a shooter out of USC. Obviously, we talked briefly yesterday about the uh, uh, the young man out of uh, Florida Atlantic. What do you think about what Georgia has added in the transfer portal in this day and age now, where you essentially have fruit, you know, fruit basket turnover with all these rosters all across the country at the moment? Yeah, certainly in college basketball, I, th- I think one of the big things from this, is, and Tom Crean got a lot of a lot of hate. Uh, the past couple of weeks when Fagan transferred and then obviously when Kamara entered the transfer portal ended up at Dayton as well. But the thing you have to remember now is the portal can take away from you, such as yeah. Georgia lost uh, Tyreek Stevenson in football, but it also added Tyke Smith at sort of that same spot there. So it, it, remember, with the transfer portal, it's going to be a give-and-take thing. 
obviously, I don't think any of the three players they got are as good this season as Jumani would have been for Georgia. But it's still, it's an encouraging sign. He's getting some longer wings that I think will help. I think the one thing that I still want to see Georgia bring in, and, and shooting as well, they need a big man. You know, Georgia was never going to get Walker Kessler, but yeah. Walker Kessler is kind of the perfect player like Tom Green wants to play with, especially as a big guy. Can spread the floor, can shoot, can do all those sort of things. So, you know, he's addressed some of the needs. And also, I think in landing uh, Jabari Abdur Rahim, uh, a long term player for Georgia that I think can really help this program. So it'll be interesting to see how he continues to build and develop and fill out this roster. And I think most of the rating services have Abdul Rahim rating like the top 40 of available mm-hmm. transfers. And when they're like 2,000 names, yeah. the top 40 is uh, actually a fairly big deal. Yeah, came from Virginia as well. So you at least knows he knows how to play some defense there, which has also sort of been an issue with Georgia. So it's I'm going to be really interested to see how Tom Crean goes about filling out the rest of this roster. Because, again, you know, as disappointing as I think the season was at times, they made a big step forward. And with Severe Wheeler coming back, Katie Johnson coming back, some of these transfer guys coming in. If you get your three grad transfers back and Andrew Garcia, P.J. Horn, and and Justin Kieran, they take advantage of that extra year of eligibility. I don't want to say it's out of the question that they can get to an NCAA tournament, but they can make that next step forward to, okay, hey, maybe this is a bubble team where they flirt all season with are they in the tournament or are they not. I will say this really quickly, and I mean this very quick, that I know people look at, you know, teams in the NCAA tournament that were built through transfers and they say see you can win this way but the fact of the matter is for teams like Georgia who are trying to get good basketball is such a chemistry sport that if this wild west of completely different roster every single year is going to be just the reality in the sport it's going to be hard for teams like Georgia if a guy leaves Kentucky he's probably leaving because he's not good enough to play there or if a guy comes into Kentucky he's probably coming in there because he thinks he's really good the transfer situation won't negatively impact a a program like that but for Georgia you need guys to learn how to play together if they're moving around each and every year and that's not something i blame on cream i blame this yeah. on the you know institutional sport. Problem. yeah i just think that lack of chemistry for programs like georgia is going to be really really hard to manage right look at baylor in, in particular because obviously davian mitchell transfer mike otiga transfer some of the best players were transfers but those weren't guys that went there and played immediately a lot of those guys had to end up sitting out and you look back at some of these past gonzaga teams Yes, uh, Andrew Nemhard was a would transfer and was able to play right away this season. But their transfers sat out a year, sort of learned the Gonzaga culture, so to speak. And now with this Wild West, as you put it there, I feel like it's significantly harder to build a culture, at least within a team identity standpoint, right away. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Georgia and every other team in the country goes about handling this going forward. Because I think now, more and more, you're going to see more and more teams look like those Kentucky teams in the mid-2010s where it was just massive roster yeah. turnover every year, and you were hoping that they could put it together and t- come the tournament time. The compromise that I like is the one I've heard in both football and basketball of. If you're going to you know, allow the one-time transfer, do it for players that they've been on campus for two years. Yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a very good idea. And, and you know, Again, like Walker Kessler transferring – really upset UNC and again they had a senior big man Garrison Brooks in front of him sort of see developing for a year because again you know Walker Kessler while yes a five-star prospect he was never a one-and-done type player he was always expected to be sort of that sweet spot of multi-year guy who could develop into an NBA player but someone who was at least going to be around and help your program for a while and you know hopefully we do see that change going forward but I'm doubtful of that, so we'll see. Connor, great stuff. Thanks so much for being here on a part of our Kroger Fresh Take yep. here today. As always, it was a pleasure. I went into the middle of the song there for a moment. That kind of threw me off. Uh, all right, so uh, good stuff there from Connor Riley as we get ready to uh, wrap up here today. 
uh, really fun conversation. And speaking of fun, let's have some fun here. Let's give away two golden shoes. I told y'all the other day I was a little bit behind on this. So let's give away a uh, couple of these. First of all, pretty fun stuff. Let's throw this up here on the uh, screen. Kind of a, a throw to the uh, yeah Tyler Bannister here on uh, Twitter. Uh, gives us a golden shoe nominee from Lance McCurley on Twitter. Referencing Alex Rome from uh, Philadelphia uh, Phillies, who did not touch home, by the way, on Sunday night for the Braves. He said that's the same thing as Tyler Simmons being on sides. Yeah, listen, a lot of, a lot of uh, sports fans in the state of Georgia, UGA fans, Braves fans, everything else, they're getting tired of some of these uh, officiating blunders. No doubt about that. Tyler, you're a golden shoe winner today. Also, Thomas Delaney with a very fun reference of Impractical Jokers on True TV related to the Mar uh, Marco Wilson thrown shoe. This is actually really well done, very w well put together by Thomas. Golden shoe winner for you there as well. How about our Gator Hater Countdown uh, as we say goodbye here today? Uh, even 200 days. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, where we'll take your comments. And don't forget, you can always reach out to me on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section of DogNation.com to be a part of what we're doing here. It's all brought to you by R.S. Andrews, air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric. That's what R.S. Andrews can do for you. And by the way, this time of year, it's hot. You want it cool on the inside. If you're afraid your A.C. can't get the job done for you, then get your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. With my friends at R.S. Andrews, find them online at rsandrews.com. I'm going to be pretty quick with the podcast cool down here today. I do want to reference, though, something that had been kind of brought up to me online a little bit the last 24 hours. This is kind of the purpose of the podcast cool down. A lot of folks kind of making mention of the fact that former New England Patriots receiver Julian Edelman has retired. And there's this, this weird conversation around Edelman about whether or not he should be a Hall of Famer. And what some people are pointing out is, is that, well, if Edelman's going to get Hall of Fame consideration, then maybe that means the door should be open for a former dog to also get some consideration as well, in this case, Heinz Ward. And I want to give you one of the blogs that's kind of written about this. This is coming from DK Pittsburgh Sports, kind of laying out the case, obviously, Ward played with the with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers after you know leaving his script University of Georgia. This is why maybe in some folks' mind, Ward is more of a Hall of Famer if Edelman's even in this discussion. What DK writes here is that in 217 career games, Ward caught 1,000 passes for 12,083 yards, 85 touchdowns. He played more games than Edelman did, sure, but he also played in an earlier era when teams ran the ball close to 50% of the time. By comparison, Edelman caught 620 passes for 6,000 822 yards and 36 touchdowns in his career. Uh, number Numbers in the postseason were good, border on great. Uh, in 19 postseason games, 118 passes for 1,442 yards and five touchdowns. And he was part of the force uh, New England Patriots Super Bowl winning teams, of course. Uh, obviously, Heinz Ward made big, big hay in his uh, playoff games and 18 career playoff games 88 passes 1181 yards 10 touchdowns and appeared in three Super Bowls winning two including taking home MVP after one of those contests DK Sports says uh, Heinz Ward went to four Pro Bowls Julian Edelman never went to a single Pro Bowl now you can make a case if you want to those Patriots teams that Edelman were was a part of or under you know represented in the Pro Football Hall of Fame but I think that what some of the Steelers fans and maybe in this case what some of the Georgia fans are also mentioning is if Julian Edelman is now the bar by which you know Hall of Fame wide receivers are going to be set, then maybe someone like like Heinz Ward does deserve a lot more consideration than he's gotten thus far. Pretty interesting. A lot of Georgia fans kind of weighing in on that. 
Thank you for being here on our podcast, Cool Down Here Today. Really appreciate R.S. Andrews making it possible. Find them online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. And, of course, thanks for reaching out to me on Twitter at DogNationDaily or in our comments section at DogNation.com to be a part of what we're doing here each and every day. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.